Hello, my friends, and welcome to the April 13th episode of the Empower Hour. Coming on in just a moment is Tanya Gaw, the founder of Action for Canada. She's going to share information and updates with you, and then she'll be joined by our special guest, Reverend Majid El Shafi. Following his presentation, you'll have an opportunity to ask questions during the Q&A time. I have a short Bible verse I want to share with you tonight from the Old Testament book of Nahum, chapter 1, verse 7. The Lord is good. He is a strength, a stronghold, and a refuge in the day of trouble. He recognizes, cares for, and understands those who trust in Him. Action for Canada is a grassroots movement reaching out to millions of Canadians and uniting our voices in opposition to the destructive policies tearing at the fabric of our nation. Through Call to Action campaigns, we equip citizens to take action. We are committed to protecting faith, family, and freedom. For the past six and a half years, and before many of us were even aware of our government's malfeasance and corruption, Tanya Gaw has been fighting for our rights and freedoms. She first became an activist when Justin Trudeau was running for office. There were so many red flags, and she became very concerned about the future of Canada and what that would look like for her children and for future generations. Tanya is a woman of faith in God, and with his help, she is a passionate and courageous speaker. As we all stand together and fight for our God-given rights and freedoms, we are so grateful and honored to be led by Tanya Gaw. Tanya, over to you. Thank you, Heather. And welcome everybody. We're excited about the Empower Hour tonight. Heather, as always, great presentation. You keep us up to date. Uh, some people were asking where they can find that video specific on its own. We share it on the Empower Hour page, separate from the actual show, uh, because I think it's a great resource as well to share with uh, people who are new to Action for Canada. So I wanna get right into it. I wanna get through my updates for you because I'm really interested in bringing Reverend Meshed on. And I think this is an incredibly important topic tonight. So we're really excited that you're here. All right, uh, Trenzio for good. Yep. I'm going to share my screen. All right, super duper. Here we go. Uh, okay, so this is um, our home page, and I just want for anybody that's new to kind of navigate through it with me as I do this. First of all, I want to give you an update on Action for Canada's legal action with Rocco Galati. I am very happy to tell you that Rocco is uh, making progress in his healing, of course. This has been a long journey for him. He's not ready to be in court yet, but uh, we have... Um, Bonnie Henry and the defendants, et cetera, had put through a motion to strike, which was to be heard in February. But due to Rocco's condition, of course, he couldn't be in the courts to deal with that. So it is set for May 31st. And as I've said, uh, you know, we're in it. Uh, we're not backing down from this. Uh, just because we've had a bit of a delay, I don't want people getting uh, discouraged about it. We've got lots of cases in Canada that are fighting from different angles and I just feel very confident that we will eventually have success. So that's my uh, any updates at all that you need on the legal action would be on this page so you can find that right there under details and updates. All right another new resource that we have is under resources and training. 
a one world order. You can see that we have information. It's an incredible page that Jenny has put together on the WEF, digital ID resources, the critical race theory, and as well, the one world religion. The next uh, page that I wanna bring to your attention is under join with the Empower Hour. Oh, my screen is being interfered with a little bit on there. Hang on a second, just had to make an adjustment. The Empower Hour, if you just click on the drop down. So uh, many times we've been on the Empower Hour and you either didn't catch a link, you couldn't uh, copy the chat. If you go to this page, you will be able to catch those links that you uh, had missed and that you felt were relevant or important. So that's just under Join, Empower Hour and the drop down. The next thing, let me just move over here, make some adjustments. Okay, last week I addressed the One World Religions and the New Age Movement. We had an incredible response. We had Alan Strudwick come on who had been in the New Age Movement uh, for over 20 years. He was one of the top leaders. He was an advisor of gurus, etc. And, uh, you know, it's a controversial issue. Some would see same, seem that it's taboo, but we thought it was really important to have a conversation on and report on because uh, there was information coming in that the WEF um, has got their paws into this. And um, I don't follow the New Age movement, but apparently many people within know who this gentleman is, and he is closely tied to the World Economic Forum, as well as uh, moving towards the uh, New World Order. He's a speaker, a special speaker, etc. cetera. Uh, so where many had thought, oh my goodness, Tanya, why are you having that conversation? I feel that we have a duty in all of this, if that is there is a thread of any kind in any movement that we know about, religious or not, we have a duty to report on it. And we don't support the suppressing of information. And so for those who, of you who are offended by this, uh, you know, I, in one sense, I wanna apologize, but on the other sense, not, because wouldn't you wanna know if you are in something that's supporting love and unity, that if there was a thread of something that was dark behind it, that you would want to uh, be advised of that. So we just want to bring it to people's attention. And then you have the freedom to choose whether or not you want to continue to follow this movement. Um, as a result, Alan overnight in 12 hours had 200 people email him and request his book. And um, it has grown to 300. Many of them, 95% of it was positive, thanking him profusely for being bold enough and courageous enough to talk about this issue that they had no idea that the New Age movement had ties to the WEF and the One World Order. This week, as we move forward, I thought it was very important as well to talk about persecution of Christians in Canada. The reason we're focusing on this right now and bringing awareness to, to the other dimensions of the globalist agenda in relation to religion and other belief systems is because it's an essential part of the plan to gain power and control in pushing a one world religion. It means that they intend to eliminate all religions and replace it with their version, which is an evil cult of ideas. So it is up to every nation to rise up in defense of their system of belief 
In Canada, that means Christianity. That is what this nation is founded on. We need to understand that if they succeed in eliminating the structure of Christianity in Canada, they will also have succeeded in tearing down the rule of law since it is founded on Christian biblical principles. This is why they are attacking the church and why the persecution of pastors and Christians is on the rise. It is all relevant and it is imperative that Canadians understand why it is so critical that we defend Christianity and rise up in support of the mission that Action for Canada is commencing in part partnership with Reverend Majed and One Free World International. I would encourage you, if you have not read through this page, please do so on Action for Canada's page. If this is your first time here, you just pop down to weekly emails and you can access this report, it provides uh, what is going on with our pastors. This is just a brief look of the pastors that are being persecuted in Canada. This is a very short list. There are many others. Meanwhile, the mosques have been open. Last May, there was the celebration of the Palestinians who were rallying in opposition to what was going on, going on in Palestine. There was thousands of Palestinians that were rallying across Canada. There were no arrests, there were no fines, no tickets. In this report, we provide more of the information on the work that Reverend Majed has been doing on behalf of a Christian family in Canada that had fled Nigeria. Justin Trudeau had decided to deport them as they were seeking asylum. But Majed and his team, along with another organization, were fighting very hard for them. And as of November, they were given permission to live freely because they had gone for two years in hiding in Canada. Something's very wrong with this picture, my friends. On this page as well, there are other videos and information. I, again, I would encourage you and, and ask that you would go and review them, please, to understand the persecution of Christians that has been going on worldwide. The media and governments around the world are silent on this. Hundreds of millions of Christians are being persecuted, tortured, and dying. It's time to have a conversation. And as well, what we're asking today is that you would also please donate to the legal fund to protect and fight against the persecution of, of Christians in Canada. So what I want to do now is um, on that note, there's a short video outlining Majed's journey and the work that he has been doing worldwide. So before bringing Majed on, Terenzio, would you please bring that video on and we'll play that briefly. I started One Free World International for Human Rights. It's a human rights organization to defend the freedom of religion, defend the persecuted Christians, defend the other minorities that facing persecution for their beliefs, no matter who they are, such as the Muslim Baha'is or the, the Muslim Ahmadis or the Falun Gong or the Uyghurs, the Muslims in China. 
or standing against anti-Semitism. We stand for the freedom of religion everywhere. I've been a freedom fighter since I was 18 years old. I've been fighting uh, to defend the people that are facing persecution for their belief uh, for the last 15 years or more right now. The persecution that's happening to these people is not something that I'm not familiar with. The main reason why I'm very passionate about it because I'm one of them. I used to be one of them. Between 200 to 300 million persecuted Christians in our world today and nobody mentioned anything. You can speak about the persecution of any other minority and the media will listen, the people will listen, but when you come to the persecuted Christians, nobody will listen. And I don't know why. When you hear persecution of Christians, you think it's something that happened in, in the early church years. I mean, immediately after the crucifixion of Christ, there was a lot of persecution. But actually, there's more persecution of Christians today than there was back then. So people need to, to know that, and not only to know it, but to care about it. Somebody need to fight for these people. With my own respect, since the existence of this law is not used anywhere but in personal disputes. Uh, I'm looking at Iran as an example for democracy. The deadly bomb blast in August 28, 2012 in Druze and Christian areas the arrest of many of the Christians and other minorities and torturing them on the hand of the rebels. Focusing on dealing with the source of the problem and, uh, and, and the roots of the problem, which is fighting ISIS and our military mission. If there is... This freedom cannot be complete without the power of women in the society. We are the future of this land. And I know that uh, it's a very hard plan to be a female. But uh, you are not, but you are not alone. And we're coming all the way from Canada and United States to tell you that we love you, we are proud of you, and the future, you are the future of this land.
democracy have two foundations. You cannot have democracy in the Middle East without two main foundations. Number one, freedom of religion. So I was standing with the unity until the end of the world. That's what I know. Touch people as well have their own pain. They also have their suffering. They also have their history. The only way to get out of this issue is by killing me. They can always kill the dreamer. But no one can kill the dream. Wow. Thank you so much. Heather, will you come on, please, and introduce our guest? Thank you, Tanya. What a powerful video. Joining us this evening is Reverend Majed El Shafi. Majed is an author, human rights activist, and the founder of One Free World International. His own human rights journey started in his native Egypt when he converted from Islam and became a follower of Jesus. As a survivor of torture and religious persecution, Majed is able to identify with and fight for others in similar circumstances in a very powerful way. He now brings awareness to human rights violations and advocates for a religious freedom worldwide. He confronts governments who violate these fundamental rights, conducts fact-finding missions, and is involved with human humanitarian rescue operations. Now, in a landmark partnership, One Free World International and Action for Canada are joining forces to commence a historical campaign against corrupt government officials, directors, and authority figures for abusing their power and taking part in human rights offenses. I'm very honored to welcome Reverend Majed Al Shafi for the very first time to the Empower Hour. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to give the floor right over to you. Um, and I know that you have about 30 minutes or 40, whatever time you need to share your story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, Tanya, for having me. I admire you and I admire your zeals and your leadership. And I thank you for you and for all your team for the amazing work that you are doing here in Canada. I will not take a lot of all of your time because I want to hear from you as well questions and answers uh, after my speaking. I would like to uh, start every time I see this video, it just bring memories to me and remind me of the long road that we took, that it was full of victories and more victory to come in Jesus' name. Because we refuse to be a victim, but we're a victor in Jesus' name. 
make no mistake. And I will not here speak to you about what the enemy is doing because I refuse to give our enemy the platform. I want to speak to you about what God is doing. And the first thing that I will start is by speaking about my personal testimony and how did I came to this great nation of Canada. Uh, my name is Majid Shafi. I was born in, in, in Egypt, Cairo. I was born from a Muslim family back home in Egypt. I was born in February 17, 1977, which is mean I'm still young and handsome. Thank you very much. I appreciate the support. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's clapping, but thank you. <laughs> anyway. Um, when I was born, I was born, I found a big, huge library in my bedroom full of books about freedom of religion, about human rights. And as I finished my high school and I joined the law school in Alexandria to become the, like the rest of my family. Uh, my father was a lawyer, my brother was a lawyer, my uncle was a judge in the Egyptian Supreme Court. So I grew up in uh, what is human right? Uh, the freedom of religion, justice. But when I went to the, to, to, to the school, to university, I found that the persecution happened to the Christians every way, every day. As you're watching me right now, maybe you don't know, but Egypt originally was a Christian country until the seventh century, when a Muslim leader by the name of Omar ibn al-As, he entered Egypt by force. And he converted the majority of the Christians from uh, uh, Christianity to Islam. Uh, many of you doesn't know that there is uh, many Christians today is persecuted in Egypt. They are imprisoned between 6,000 to 7,000. You know, Christians, Egyptians, they are in prison right now just because they are Christians. Many of you know that, maybe you don't know that you cannot build a church in Egypt. You can build bar, discotheque, but not a church. When we're talking about minority rights in Canada, I would like also to speak about the minority rights in the Middle East. I like to speak about the Christian rights in, in countries like Egypt and Saudi Arabia. You know, in Canada, anybody is, is free to build a church, a mosque, a temple. What about our people in the Middle East? What about our people in the Muslim countries? There's a questions that uh, uh, the Muslim community have to answer and the Muslim community, you know, if, if even we welcome them, if they want to work with us on this issue, you know, uh, uh, why the minority in your country does not have the same freedom that you have in Canada? That's an important question that have to be answered. Uh, uh, the, all of this persecution that happening to the Christian minority make me wonder as a Muslim young man, why this is happening to the Christians. Let me put it this way. You do not persecute somebody unless you are afraid from the truth that they carry. I used to, I, I live in downtown Toronto. I'm talking to you right now from Washington, D.C. We have a lot of meetings here in Washington, D.C., but I live in downtown Toronto. And uh, a story like, you know, Jehovah Witness used to knock on my door every Saturday. Uh, I don't know why they stopped, but anyway, they used to knock on my door every Saturday. I never persecuted them. I never discriminated against them. It's the opposite. I always smiled in their face and I always come in, let's have a cup of coffee together. And of course, once they come in, I lock the door, they can't leave, but that's a different story. 
it, it's a joke. It's a joke. Don't call 911 yet. Uh, I, I, I have four Jehovah Witnesses locked in the closet and I forgot to give them food and, and water. It's a joke. Once again, it's a joke. Um, uh, I never persecuted them. The opposite. I let them come in and I spoke with them the truth. They stopped coming in their own. But they don't persecute you. They persecute the truth in you. They persecute Christ in you. That's the truth. That's what's happening. So we have to understand that the persecution that we see today makes me wonder why there is persecution. What are we as a Muslim scared of Christians and why they why we're persecuting them? That's when I went to my best friend, Tamir. Tamir was a Christian, I was a Muslim, but we never spoke about religion. And I went to Tamir and I told him, Tamir, tell me why there's persecution happening to your community. He said, Majid, I cannot answer your questions because I'm afraid that my answers can affect our friendship negatively. So I will give you a book. If you are really seeking the truth, read this book and you found answers for every question that you have. This book was not only about rules and regulation. The, this book was also about sacrifice and love and justice. We call it the Holy Bible. I didn't know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I just opened the Holy Bible for the first time in my life. And it was John 8. And in John 8, they, 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 they brought a lady committed adultery, throw her in front of the Lord, and told him, judge her according to the law of Moses. The Lord started right down in the sand by his finger. They repeated the question. And the Lord looked at all of them and told them, who without sin cast her the first stone? And that was my first time I met Jesus. Now keep in mind, the only one who can really cast the first stone is Christ himself, because he is the only one who have no sin. But he didn't. He looked at this lady and he told her, go, sin no more, I forgive you. That was the first time I met Jesus. And from this day, I started to study the Bible. I started to know the Bible. And I went back again to Tamar after almost 11 months. And I told him, Tamar, now I know what is Christianity. Now I know what is Christianity. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not a religion that you just go every Sunday, hallelujah, bless the Lord, and see the Lord next Sunday. No, that's a club. Christianity is a relationship with God. I told him, now I know who is Christ. He's not just the almighty Lord. He's flower in the middle of the desert, light in the middle of the darkness, a warm hug in the middle of cold night. And that's what Christ. I told him, Tamir, we have to ask for justice. We have to create a human rights organization underground to fight for the minority rights, to fight for the Christians' rights in Egypt. We started this organization underground young kids, uh, only maybe seven people. In two years time, we become 20, 28,000 in one organization. 24,000, my apology, 24,000 in one organization in two years. We build churches underground, as I said, by the law, you cannot build a church. So we build churches underground in the caves, some mountains. Uh, we, we establish a newspaper to ask the Egyptian government to give us our rights and equal rights as a minority. And I start to write a book about the, the, the Christian history in, 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 in Egypt. That's all led to 
August 15, 1998. I was in my office in downtown Cairo. And I heard knock on my door 1.30. I went to open the door. Somebody asked for a name. I told him nobody here by this name. You have the wrong address. After I closed the door by two seconds, uh, five uh, soldiers, two officers, they came, they broke the door. They, they kidnapped me from my office to a police station, it's called the Zoli police station behind the Egyptian parliament. And they interrogated me there. And they said, we know who you are. We know the organization that you built, the book that you wrote, the church that you are buildings all around the country. The one thing we don't know, who is the rest of your team? We know that you are the head of the group, but we don't know who else working. I told them, I don't know which team and which organization. And if you know everything about me, why are you asking? They told me, oh, you want to play tough? We can play tough together. I told them, tough is my middle name. You have no, don't worry about it. Next day, they transferred me to a prison. It's called Abu Zabar prison. For the people who doesn't know Abu Zabal prison, we call it in the Middle East, hell on earth. It's where the people go there and they never come out. In a matter of fact, there's only maybe five names of people came out of this prison alive, and I'm one of the five. And what you will hear right now, ladies and gentlemen, brother and sister, is you will not see this in, the, in your CNN nonsense news or, or CTV or CBC. You will not see this in the news. You will not hear this in the news. 25% of the space of this prison is underground. It's like graves or basement. That's where they keep the believers and they torture them there. And I was there for seven days. For me, it was like 700 years. Every day, the torture level increases. The officer that torture you, they always wearing a mask, so you cannot see their face. They always call each other by numbers, not by, not by name, so you don't know their real name. There is always military doctor standing behind you. This military doctor is his job not to make sure that you don't have the pain. His job that you're conscious to the pain. You are, if you lost your consciousness, he wakes you up. So you are in more pain. I was there for seven days. Day number one, they shaved the hair of my head. And they have two big containers of cold, very cold and very hot water. And they will dip my head one, like one minute here and one minute they're exchanging. Now the torture will be for three, four hours, not a stop. They give you rest between for 20 minutes and after that they carry on for another three, four hours until the end of the day. And they will come in the end of the, in the end of the day, ask you if you speak, if you give them the information that they need. And in this case, they just want the name of my friends and I will not betray my friends, I will not kill my friends. Day number one, they, they, they put my hand, they, they tie my hand behind their back, they shave the hair of my head, they dip my head in cold and hot water. 
for hours and hours. And the end of the day, they came back and they said, you tell us the name of your friends. I told them, I don't know which friends you are talking about. And quite honestly, I enjoy the cold and hot water. I enjoyed it. Quite honestly, uh, yeah. And, and uh, I'm very handsome without hair. Uh, as you can see, I keep the style a little bit. There's no much hair in there. Day number two, they hang me upside down. They beat me with everything in their hands. They bury me with cigarettes. They, they hurt me. They, they, they would beat me for three, four hours nonstop with a belt. They took the nail out of my right toe. The only thing that I can remember in day number two was the taste and the smell of my blood. And they, I couldn't walk in the end of the day, so they took me to my dark cell underground. And they told me, tell us the name of your friends. And I said, no, I will not. They told me, do you know what will be your torture next day if you didn't speak today? I told them, I'm listening. They said, we will release three dogs to attack you. These are dogs being trained by the Egyptian authority to, to attack the believers, to attack humans. And they're not the, the, the cute little dogs that you have at home. This will be German Shepherd usually or Doberman. And they, they close the door. I mean, what do you do if you are in my place? You're underground, you're beating, you're tortured. You're lying down and put off your own blood. And you know, next day you will face three dogs will attack. There is no windows. You're underground. There is nothing. Complete darkness. What, what do you do if you are in my place? I start to pray. And that was my prayer to the Lord in this day. I told him, Lord, I want to thank you for your gift on the cross. I want to thank you that you died for our pain and our sin and our disease. And I want to thank you that you rose again to give us the way, the truth, and the life. Almighty God, I don't regret my believing in you. I will do it again. But my only request to you, kill me before tomorrow morning. I don't know if I can handle this pain. And I always care that I will speak about the names of my friends and thus will betray them and kill thousands of my organization team. You see, Listen to me carefully what I will say next. Christians like bag of tea. You don't know how strong they are until you throw them in a hot water. And next day, I woke up. I prayed in Jesus' name that he would take my soul. Give them the, the body. I don't care about the body. From ash to ash, from dust to dust. I really don't care much about the body. Next day, I woke up. Did you ever wake up in the morning and didn't know if that's a good news or a bad news? I woke up next day and it was a dark room and they opened the door. When they opened the door, there is a red light in the corridor. So the shadow of whatever in the corridor will project in your room. And I can hear another door open from far away and I can see a shadow 
of the dogs getting closer and closer to my room. I can hear their noise, their voice. You know, when there is a big chain around their neck, the way they breathe, they breathe heavy, big dogs. I went and I sat down in a corner. So it's in a corner. And I sit down in a way that I, I, I sit down that my, my, my knees is on my, on my chest. Like, you know, I squeeze myself in the wall and I cover my face with my own hand. What I was trying to do, so I sit down in the corner to protect my back. So my, the back of my head and the neck all the way to the back. And I put my knees on my, like, you know, cover within my chest too to be able to cover the lungs, the heart, the neck with, with my own hand covering the face. They don't teach you this in university. This is your own surviving instinct that the Lord put inside of you. So I went down, I sit down in this position and I can hear the dogs getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And I prepared myself for pain. I prepared myself for anger. And I can hear them getting closer and closer and closer. Until I know that they was in my room. I can smell them. Their, their breath is touching my hand. But I couldn't feel any pain. I couldn't feel any agony. So I started to remove my hand just slowly away from my, my face. And that's what I saw, all three dogs sitting around me, none of them moved one single step. Officers and soldiers start to beat the dogs with the belt so hard for them to move, to attack, but they didn't. The dogs did not attack. And I remember the officers and the soldiers the, the officer told the soldier, maybe something wrong with the three dogs. Go get me another set of three dogs. And they went to bring the another set of three dogs. And the another three dogs sit in the same position with one little different. The middle dog took a step forward and he licked my face. And one time I was testifying in front of the American Congress. And uh, a congressman, from the Democrat Party came to me after I testified. He said, Reverend Shafi, I have a question for you. Uh, I, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in miracle. I told him, well, it's your problem really. It's not my problem. You know, uh, you see the good news here is even if you don't believe in him, he still believe in you. God is most merciful, but what is your question? What is it that you want to ask me? He said, what is your logical explanation for the reason that the dog did not attack you? I told him, you are looking for logic. Here is my logic, sir. I told him, you see, these dogs being trained to listen to their master, but there is no higher master than Jesus Christ. That's your logical explanation. I told him, and by the way, Congressman, I just want to tell you something. You don't believe in God. You believe that when you die, there is nothing. And I believe in God. 
uh, I believe when I die, I will see, I will be with Jesus. And I will see his heaven. Let me just put it this way. If I am wrong, I'm not losing anything. But if you are wrong, Congressman, you will lose everything. And I left him. That was the end of the discussion. It is not worth of wasting further of my time. Officers and soldiers didn't know what to do. They never saw anything like this. They took the three dogs, they closed the door, they get the same message that I got, that maybe I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. Day number four, officer number 27. He came, he opened the door, very angry, very upset. You know, he was a big, huge man, like, you know, like this guy's, I can't remember his name. He used to be an actor in, the, in the, like, uh, uh, you know, Terminator. He used to say, I will be back. I can't remember his name. Arnold Schwarzenegger, something like that. He was big, strong man, officer number 27. He came, he opened the door very angry, very upset. He said, listen, I'm not, I'm not scared of you. I told him, of course you're not scared of me. You're the one who's torturing me. I'm the one that's supposed to be scared of you. So what's the problem? He said, listen, I'm here to make with you a deal, an agreement. I'm here to make with you. I'm listening. He said, tell me the name of your friends. I will release you from the prison. You want brand new car, I give you a brand new car. You want bigger house, I give you a bigger house. You want money, you want beautiful girls, I will give you beautiful girls, beautiful women. Whatever you want, I will give you. Tell him, wow, that's really a, an offer. That's everything any human desire. He said, yes. I told him, okay, I will take the deal. But first of all, you've been torturing me for the last three days. Even if I want to give you the names, I don't have the strength. So go get me dinner first, and after that, come back, we'll talk together. He said, whatever you like to eat, I will bring it. I told him, shish kebab. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. It's better than McDonald's, trust me. Well, everything is better than McDonald's, but anyway. He went, he bring me dinner. I sit down, I eat. He said, now you tell me the name of your friends? I said, bring me a cup of tea first, and after that, we'll talk, man. Come on down. He went, he bring the best cup of tea. I sit down, I drink. He said, now you tell me the name of your friends. I told him, listen, sir. See, I cannot remember all their names. It's a big group. I cannot remember all the names. But I will give you the name of our leader. You can catch him. And he will give you all their names. said, the leader, I thought that you are the leader. I told him, no, sir, I'm not the leader. I'm just a servant. He said, okay, give me the name of your leader. I told him, the name of our leader, Jesus Christ. If you can catch him, catch him. Officer number 27, he acted in two actions. Number one, he slapped my face, and he was a strong big man. So when he slapped my face, I hit the wall, really. I always make a joke about it. I always say it was my first time I fly without aeroplane. Uh, it's a brand new meaning for free air miles. <laughs> now, many people say, how come you are laughing about it? How come you are joking about it? It's very sad. How come you are joking about your own pain like this? I will tell you why. 
Because officer number 27, when he slapped me and he tortured me, he thought that I would, I would spend the rest of my life in pain, in shame, in agony, unable to talk, unable to love, unable to live. And I'm here to tell you that officer number 27 is mistaken. I can live my life in Jesus' name. I can be healed in Jesus' name. And today I'm standing with Action for Canada event, laughing about it because officer number 27 and the people like him that try to take away our rights can hurt our body, but no one can touch our souls. No. Freedom is a bulletproof. Freedom in Christ is a bulletproof. The second thing that officer number 27, that he took me to another dark room, there was a piece of wood in cross shape. And he tied my neck, my hand, my waist, my leg. I was tied naked on the cross and he came with a sharp knife, made cut in the back of my left shoulder to the bones. And he put salt and lemon in the open. Um, I lost my conscious. I was tied for three days and how I know is like two days and a half. The reason that I know that is because they always, in the end of every day, they would come and they would ask me if I would speak or not and I would refuse to speak. I woke up, I found myself in a police hospital. The Egyptian authority wrote a report. I was in a police hospital Lagusa hospital and for three months I was unable to walk I was unable to move uh, for three months and the Egyptian government during this time wrote a report that I am mentally ill and that's how they play this game they call you mentally they call you names to discredit you to uh, destroy your reputation basically so if they kill you right away, they will make out of you a martyr, a hero. So what they do, they destroy you first before they kill you. So they put me in house arrest uh, for uh, another year before they transfer me to the court martial military court. And the American military court, no lawyer, no nothing. It's just a Congru court right? and a sham court. And... Uh, And they charged me with three charges that I tried to make a revolution against the Egyptian government, that I tried to change the official religion of Egypt from Islam to Christianity. And listen to the third charge that I love and I worship Christ. Charge that I love and I worship Christ. Now, let me tell you what I told the judge in this day. I told him if worshiping Christ, is a crime. I am guilty as charged. And if worshiping him is wrong, I don't want to be right. I received the death penalty. They transferred me back again to my house arrest. The death penalty is supposed to take place in three, four days. That's when they took me 
that's when, uh, before they take me to the death penalty, my team that I raised, they attacked the house. They had an, uh, an armed conflict with, with the, 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 the police forces and I was able to escape from my house arrest uh, uh, to Alexandria. Uh, and from Alexandria, uh, I escaped to Sinai Desert where I hide with a Bedouin family, with the Bedouin people in the desert. And I crossed the border and uh, you have to cross the, you have to leave the country. You are on the blacklist. You cannot take your passport and say, well, I'm traveling here or there. Of course you can. Uh, so if you know the map of, of, of Egypt is surrounded by Arab Muslim countries, that they have no respect for human rights. The only one country was neighboring to Egypt that have a human rights is Israel. And uh, I, uh, I, I escaped from Sinai to Taba. From Taba, I stole a jet ski and I crossed the border from Taba to Eilat, where I surrendered to the Israeli threat. In Israel, because the peace agreement Camp David, I was in Israel for another one year, three months in the Israeli prison uh, until the Egypt, until the court, the Israeli court, take a decision about me with the Egyptian authority putting a lot of pressure on the Israelis to surrender, to surrender me back again to Egypt. But the Israeli Supreme Court took my side, the Amnesty International and UNHCR took my side and I was released. And that's when UNHCR gave me three options was Canada, Australia, and Denmark. I prayed to the Lord and I said, Lord, which country do I go? And the Lord said, Canada. Uh, the Lord forget to tell me it's a 20 below zero in the winter. Uh, he forgot to tell me this part. <laughs> and I just need to tell you something very important. More than 15 years ago, to be exact, 17 years ago, actually, I stood in front of the immigration judge and I swear the oath to become a Canadian. You see, the Egyptian government dropped my citizenship. And at this time, I was stateless, a man without a land. And I stood in front of the Canadian judge. And I swear the oath to become a Canadian. And I stand in front of you right now as a very proud Canadian. And sadly, many of us that born in this land or came new to this land, take this land for granted, does not respect our laws and tradition. And as a new, as a, as a regime myself, I swear the oath to protect this land with my life and I will always do for it. Funny story though, when I stood in front of the Canadian judge, the Canadian judge told me, son, what the first thing you want to do as a Canadian? I told him, your honor, I want to drink beer, watch hockey and complain about the weather. He said, son, you're a true Canadian. I told him, thank you, honor, appreciate it. Canada is, is our temple for human rights, is our boat in the flood, really, is the conscious and the heart of this world. That's how I see Canada. And that's why I built One Free World International. 
to fight against the persecution that happened to the Christians and other minorities around the world, and to be a voice for the voiceless. And we start branches in 28 different countries. As we're talking right now, our team on the ground helping the believers in Afghanistan, in, uh, in, in Armenia, in Karabakh, in uh, Sudan, in uh, most of the Arab Muslim countries, in Asia. We are fighting for the persecuted Christians everywhere. You maybe don't know that, but the persecution of Christians, Christians is the most persecuted group internationally. But the, our media does not even allow us to say that. This is not politically correct. There is one persecuted Christian every three minutes worldwide. Just last year, over 165,000 Christians was killed for their faith. And nobody talking about that. There's between 200 to 300 million persecuted Christians worldwide. And we have to take the action to defend them, to rescue them, and to get them out. In Pakistan, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, and in Syria, we are the front line. We went the front. I was almost killed 15 times in the last five years. But I'm still standing by the grace of God. And I will always do, as long as he wants me here on this line. And when I'm chosen to join him home, I will be very, very honored and proud to serve him all my life. This will lead us to where we are here today. And why I'm a guest speaker in your amazing program. For many years, I warned Canadians that persecution will come. Some churches used to laugh at me. Some pastors used to laugh. Some, many people doesn't know that persecution is a promise in the Bible. That's the truth. If you follow me, you will carry a cross on your shoulder. And that's the truth. And I warned that persecution one day will come to North America. That was 20, 15, 20 years ago. People used to laugh at me. They said, oh, come on, this will never happen. I told them, no, it will happen. And it will happen in our lifetime. And the enemy will use politically correctness. The enemy will use politically correctness. Politically correctness is the very cancer in our Canadian and American family. And if there is one thing that we have to understand and we have to believe, that the Bible said faith without action is a dead faith. We have to take an action. Peaceful, legal action. I will repeat again. Peaceful, legal action. We have to investigate. We have to use the law and the constitution. We have to understand that you cannot put a pastor in prison, close a church in Canada without investigation. It's our right to investigate. It's our right to hold the government accountable. 
and you as a prime minister, by the way, the Bible said that you have to pray for your prime minister and for your leader. And I do pray every day for Justin Trudeau, by the way, just FYI. I pray that he will resign. You see, the Bible said you have to pray for your leader, but he didn't say how you pray. So I pray that he will resign every day. And Justin Trudeau and the people like him have to understand that there is accountability. The corruption, Justin Trudeau is the only prime minister that went to the ethic committee three times. Are we blind? We cannot see what he's doing to this country. We cannot see the corruption, the injustice, the discrimination against the Christians in Canada. His only legacy that he left on earth to this nation is legalizing the marijuana. Yeah. So he will shut down the church, but it's okay to be high. Which kind of a prime minister and which kind of us that will remain silent? You see, if you remain silent, you become part of the problem. Mm-hmm. If you remain silent, you lost your right to complain. No, we have to take an action. And that's why I'm very proud and very honored to join forces with Action for Canada to stand up, to investigate, to bring accountability, and to understand that our nation no longer will remain silent. Because even if you remain silent today, tomorrow, after tomorrow, five years from now, you will not recognize Canada. I am warning you again, as I warned you 20 years ago, if you did not take an action, we are in a crossroad. And if we did not take an action right now, we will lose our Canada, my Canada, Canada that saved my, that God used to save my life. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I am here as a Canadian citizen to tell you, and I'm here as a believer about what to tell you. And this is a message. My last, I know that time has passed, my apology for taking a long time from you. But there is one last statement that I would say, and I will close this subject. My message to the Prime Minister of Canada and to every person that caused persecution to the persecution to the Christians and other believers from wherever you are. I have a message for you. Christians are dying, but they're still smiling. They are in very deep dark night, but we still have the candle of the living God, candle of hope. Believe me when I tell you, believe me when I tell you, you can kill the believers, but you cannot kill the belief of our hearts. You can kill the dreamer, but no one can kill the dream. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you all. Thank you for having me. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Majed. Thank you for sharing your story. I know that as I was preparing for you to come on and the action that went out this week, I was watching many videos and many times I was filled with so much emotion because not only over your own testimony, I'd never heard it as in depth of what you had explained tonight, but I know that as you go into these 
um, horrific situations in countries that base their belief systems not on the one true God, but another God with a small G-O-D, uh, that these atrocities continue to happen and the media and governments around the world are not talking about it. Um, much of this, uh, not only do they just go in and murder the men, but it's in some instances, like you said, God just take me. It's the women and the girls that are being taken into the sex slavery. Uh, the nine-year-old girl that you spoke of that was you know, used and raped 20 times a day. I mean, we're just so grateful for the work that you're doing. And um, one of the things that I've been endeavoring to do at Action for Canada is to help Canadians understand again that we are not a multicultural nation. Uh, we're a nation of many cultures, but that this is a nation founded on Judeo-Christian principles, biblical principles, and that this system of governance based on those principles and the rule of law based on those principles truly do set us apart from every other so-called religion around the world, every other country that is based on other some other system of belief where amazing people are living there who would do almost anything to come to Canada to live in freedom. But the one thing in order for us to maintain this freedom is that we need the people that are immigrating to Canada to embrace and assimilate our culture. They need to assimilate, they need to integrate. Otherwise, it will just be divided from within. And as other cultures come in, it's the extremists that come in with them, and they're the ones that are vying for position to change our governments from within. They're getting into political positions. So we need to do a lot of work in, in order to bring awareness as to why people can live in Canada, and you can be a non-Christian, you can practice another faith, but you have the ability to do that because of what the Bible does for you, because of what the God of the Bible and Jesus Christ gives you as far as freedom is concerned. And this is why Christianity is hated worldwide. And you know, to hear the testimonies and understand for many years as I've been researching this as well, the Ogunkoya family that you've supported, um, I became immersed in reporting on what was happening specifically to Christians and the persecution worldwide. Uh, last In this last week, uh, the one report I included was that in Nigeria, in the first 200 days of 2021, 17 Christians, Christians a day, were murdered. And that's only in, uh, that's only in Nigeria. That's not what's going on worldwide. And so you and I... You and I had the opportunity uh, to meet with Pastor Artur last week, who will be on in two weeks, by the way. Pastor Artur will be on the Empower Hour on the uh, 27th. And we heard his testimony firsthand of what he is enduring in a Canadian court. And, and so it was not to the extent of what you um, had gone through, but it was far beyond the extent of what I believe any other a prisoner in Canada has ever had to endure in this country. It, it, it's, it's horrific to think about. Um, so anyways, I just, if anybody, um, when you if you have questions, please start raising your hand because Terenzio is going to come on so that you can ask uh, Reverend Majed uh, some questions regarding this. And we just wanna open that up. Um, is there any further comment, Majed, that you would have to say um, regarding anything that I've just included? I, I, my only comment, uh, and I need the people to hear that very well. Besides seeking justice as well, never forget, never forget 
the forgiveness and the grace of God. Yeah. In many ways, in many ways, in the middle of our fight, sometimes we forget that also God asks us even to love our enemy. Mm -hmm. There is no society, there is no community can live an eye by an eye or tooth by tooth, or the whole society will end blind and toothless. We have to remember that we have to forgive and love. Mm-hmm. Never ever in the middle of all of this make the enemy take away from you your welcome, loving spirit. Never. Right. Always mm-hmm. remain that you are worshiping the God of love. Always. Keep mm-hmm. this in mind. Thank you. I will take you the questions and answers so I can leave to my other meetings. So please, uh, uh, any okay. questions and answers, I will I would love to. Right. I, I have one before Trenzio brings, we have a number with their hands up. It says, uh, do many of the Muslims in the Middle East know about the persecution of Christians or are they in denial much like it is here? No, no, no. They know very well. They know a lot. Uh, they know even more than it's been published in the media. Not only that they know it, they become, in many cases, they become the system of it. They become part of the problem. Not only that they know it, they become part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost in every country, in the almost in every Muslim, Muslim country in, in, in the world. I know that, what was the young woman's name in uh, Pakistan? And, and uh, she was at a well getting water and uh, some Muslim women had accused her of uh, speaking out against uh, Muhammad. And so she was arrested in prison, put on, uh, given a death sentence in prison for many years. She had, uh, thank you, that's right, and you know, just, I remember as they, she was, she was given freedom by the judges and for her to get out of Pakistan, I believe it was the UK was going to take her, yet the Islamists threatened the UK that if you take her, you know, we're going to bring, bring trouble into your country. They threatened to kill her family, you know, if she left. And the Islamic community was rose up so vicious and so threatening within the community, having uh, many, many protests throughout Pakistan, absolutely irate at the thought that she was not going you to be yeah, we, we worked on her case. Uh, the blasphemy law in Pakistan is a major issue. As I said, we have a mission in 20 countries, and we are very happy to report that now she lives in Canada. Yes. Uh, I will not be able to release more information mm-hmm. about that, just for confidentiality reasons, but uh, we worked on her case, and I'm very glad that now she's free. We worked as well on, on another many cases, and we're still working, of course, on many cases, but one of them is Niha a little Pakistani girl that she was raped when she was nine years old. Uh, sorry, two years old, two years old, just because her father was a Christian and refused to convert to Islam. Mm. And we were able also to rescue her in the front line. I went to the front line myself and I brought her and now she lives in Toronto as well. well so just... uh, as I said, I don't give platform to the enemy and his work. I give mm. God all the glory for risking them uh, using us right. uh, to do that. It's amazing work. And I just want people to get a sense of who you are. Like we have the legal action with Rocco, which is a constitutional challenge, but we believe at Action for Canada, we need to be addressing the problems we're having in Canada from different directions. The government is throwing it at us from from every way. So we're gonna hit them back. But I understand that you have an incredible success rate in the work, like hundreds of cases that you've done worldwide and that you've um, had good wins on those cases. 
it's not by might or my power, by by the spirit of the living God. Mm-hmm. And we're not we're not I'm not planning to uh, hit the government per se or hit anybody. The opposite. I'm planning to I'm planning to speak the truth and love. Uh, we are planning to bring accountability. We are planning to bring justice. We are planning to seek the truth. Uh, and we're planning to not let criminals run away with their crimes. Right. Uh, so we are planning to love you, to love even our enemy, but we're also planning to speak the truth and seek justice. Right. And you, you um, have a tendency to go in on the offensive. You've already won, <laughs> in a sense, by not going in on the defensive, I believe. Right. We have everything working I in never- our favor. I never use a defense. Let me yeah. put it this way. For many of you listening to us right now, you, and, and Tanya, I think this is one of our first conversation together when we was putting this campaign together. And, and I told you that, you know, when, when you wear the whole armor of God, if you remember all of you, the whole armor of God, the whole, all, the, the whole armor of God covering every part of your body, except the back. You know why? Because God never meant it for you to run away from your enemy. And we are not running away from enemy. The enemy is not after us. We are after the enemy in Jesus. And that's what I do. We're going to face him head on. I love it. Terenzio, would you please bring someone on for a question? Yes. First, we have uh, Cyril Camblin. I hope I said that right. Next, we have Sandra Gladwish. So, Sandra, if you can be ready. Uh, Cyril, are you there? You should see a message pop up on your screen. If you can unmute, Cyril. I don't see any messages. My apology. No, it's uh, he's not unmuting. Okay, let's go okay. to the next question. We'll go to the next one. Uh, next, we have Liz. Um, okay, I just have a question. Um, are you connected as well with other organizations that um, are with persecuted Christians like Open Doors, like you work with them as well, or do you just work on your own? And and secondly, how can we, um, you know, help like people like Pastor Arthur to, um, you know, to have justice? Uh, yeah, you know, because like, you know, writing letters to our MPs is one thing, you know, uh, would that be effective? So, so answering the first part of the question, if, if we cooperate with another organization, we cooperate with many organizations. And we have many friends and many partners around the world, and we love to cooperate with everybody. Our, one of our mandate is to build bridges, not walls. So we are very, uh, we are connected almost with every organization in this, in this method. We, we are a little bit out of the box, not a little bit, we are a lot of out of the box. So it's not like I sit down in, a, in my office wearing a suit, hiding behind my desk. I'm a frontline guy. And if you went to my website, uh, onefreeworldinternational.org, we have a frontline operation in April 20. Uh, I just came back from Ukraine and Afghanistan, and I'm going back again to Ukraine and Afghanistan to help the believers there. Uh, we fight in the front line. Uh, so it's a little bit different. Our style is a little bit different. Now, how we can help? Uh, uh, like Pastor Arshad and many of the pastors, not only him, like we keep talking only about one pastor. I think, uh, Tanya, you in the last action alert or 
uh, that you send. You put how many names of pastors that was in prison? I believe it's 16 pastors that have either been fined or arrested in Canada, and that's just a short list. There's more. So it's not just a matter of one pastor. And I want to bring this to your attention, all of you, because Action for Canada uh, and One Free World International is not just looking for, for one pastor case. We are looking at all of them as, as a situation here to challenge, uh, uh, to challenge the government and their decision and to challenge the authority to see if this is, was genuine arrest or not, if this is have a legal ground or not. So it's very important that we understand that that is not just a matter of just one issue or one subject, it's all of them. And not only what's happening now is what will happen five years from now. We are trying to prevent a disaster from happening. Because the minute that you remain silent today about just 16 pastor, I can guarantee to you five years from now, this will be 200,000 pastor. You understand what I'm saying? Anyway. How we can help them? Of course, uh, number one, prayers. Never, never underestimate the power of prayers. Number one, prayers. Number two, write your email, uh, your email to your MP, to the Minister of Justice, to the Chief Police, to, to the Prime Minister, to the Deputy Prime Minister. Never ever be shy for your voice. Make your voice clear. Now, some people will call you crazy. Some people will call you extremist. Some people will call you, you know who you are. You know who you are. You know what's inside your heart. Uh, 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 the most, as well, very important thing that you have to also write to the media. Don't just go write to your own media. You know what I mean? The media that take your side. No, I want you to write to the extreme left media. You know what I mean? Write to them. Go fight not only in your land, but fight on their land. Go and tell them, hey, listen, what you are writing is a lie. And I know that this is a lie because one, two, find the facts. Don't just write, and, don't just yell and scream. No, find the true facts, find real facts, fight, and fight by the law. Use their own weapons against them. Use your loving words. Don't use an aggressive words that does not reflect the love of Jesus. Reflect on the love of Jesus in everything you do. But the last action that, we, of course, is the donations. You have to remember that, you know, to hire a lawyers to have a, 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 a media campaign and, and Tanya and her group ex being extremely generous in an order to provide, you know, the financing in order to hire all of these people. We cannot just, you know, hire these people without, you know, paying them. It's extremely important that we also donate to share, to be part of this fight. I'm done. Thank you. Right. Thank you, um, Mijed. And something that I want to add, because I'm sure it's on the heart on the heart and minds of people, is that we say, well, you know what, we've been doing a lot of writing to MPs and to the media, media who are all bought and paid for. Action for Canada has notices of liability where um, people can print it off and then you take the specific article where a reporter or editor or whomever has uh, been reporting fake news and then you hold that individual to account with the intention that we are going to be pursuing um, actions against that specific individual. So it is a process, my friends that are listening. You just continue to write them. We want them to understand that accountability is coming. So please use the notice of liability that was specifically 
prepared for the media on any subject coming up. And as Majed just said, it's going to cost money. He has a team of lawyers that he works with. We're very serious about this and addressing this directly with Justin Trudeau and those that are in positions of authority in this country who are giving the thumbs up for this. Um, your testimony when you were saying that, uh, and the history of Egypt, that it was a Christian nation and Islam, their objective is to have world dominance. And they, they have Canada on their radar as well, my friends. Uh, there is a political party in Ontario the Islamic Party of Ontario. We need to shut these things down. This cannot, they cannot cooperate. Um, our values don't align. So we've got to fight for the Christian principles in this country and we've got to maintain them and we've got to understand that whether again you're a Christian or not, your freedom is based on this. It relies on this. All right, is the UNESCO and Nuremberg Edicts Declaration regarding rights more effective as we had heard our constitution has limits do you rely on my apology I missed, I missed the question can you please repeat again my apology i think it is a matter of they're saying that the constitution seems to have limits i i don't think it does i think it's that we've got a very corrupt government that's ignoring our charter of rights and walking right over them so they're asking is the unesco and nuremberg edicts or declarations uh, do you rely on those at all when uh, addressing these matters? Well, uh, uh, we have a very clever lawyers. Number one, we rely only on God, number one. Now, all the laws that you just mentioned and all the constitution, this is our tools. And yes, we do have a constitution and we do have uh, uh, laws that, that I personally, and I'm sure all of us respect. However, this laws can be challenged, this, this constitution can be challenged, and the action that we will be taking is will be a legal, peaceful action that is very important. Now, I want to add something on what Tanya just said about uh, Islam and the Muslim community here in Canada. It's very important that we do not lose our side of that we are welcoming nation. And it's very important that we understand that we are not here to persecute or discriminate against the Muslims or any another human being or any another minority. Uh, don't forget that you are talking to a, a man used to be a Muslim and it was the grace of God and the love of God and, and the amazing grace of the Christians that brought me to his grace. And that's what we want to show every community in Canada. As a Christian, your first very duty is to show the love of God and to show the truth and love. But we are talking also in many cases when there is extremists that trying to destroy our culture, trying to destroy our tradition, take advantage of, of, of the constitution, take advantage of our law, of our generosity, of our love, and try to change the fabric of this nation and try to destroy the fabric of this nation. This are, I'm talking about the extremist element. Now, there is also an element, and I'm sorry for taking a long time on that, but, but because it's a sensitive area and I don't want us to come across like we, we are discriminating against any group of people. No, we, we love them and we respect their right. And, and even if they don't respect our rights back home, we still will respect their right because we are not 
extremists. We're not people that live in dictatorship. We are a welcoming nation. And we will never respond an eye by an eye, tooth by a tooth, or evil by evil, or darkness by darkness. No. We respond darkness by light, hatred by love, and evil by the spirit of the living God. That's our Christian duty. But I want to mention to you a situation that happened. When our prime minister indicated that there will be a Syrian refugees coming to Canada, and they will accept up to 40,000 Syrian refugees to come to Canada. I testified in front of the Immigration and Citizenship Committee in front of the Canadian Parliament, where the Liberals, and this is in, this is in YouTube, by the way, you can go and see it. The Liberals MPs attacked me. And my point was, explain to me why the Syrian refugees, all of them, the majority of them, if not all, 99.9, like, you know, the majority of them, if not all, from the Muslim faith. Where is the Christians? Where is the other minorities? Where is, where is, where is women and children? Like, what, what's happened to the other minorities? What's happened to we're a nation that we are here to support the persecuted minorities? Where is that? Why all of them only from one faith? Now imagine if the prime minister brought all of them Christians. Oh my God, you are not, he, 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 will, he will be fired next day. The media will, will tear him apart. So he can bring all the refugees from Syria, all of the Muslims, and forgetting the minorities. Keep in mind, with my own respect, I'm talking logic here. Once again, we're talking facts. I'm not just saying my opinions. I'm telling, telling you facts. Why the Syrian refugees didn't go to be refugees in another countries where they are have similar in culture and religion, such as Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Bahrain, Qatar? Where is all of this refugees? Well, this country is very well equipped economically, even more than Canada, with my other respect. You know, Qatar economy is better than our economy, in my opinion. You know, Saudi Arabia economy, Kuwait economy, Bahrain economy. Why, why none of these refugees were settled in any of the Arab Muslim countries, knowing that they share the same culture, tradition, you know, language, food, marriage, whatever it is. Why? And why we're not taking the vulnerable minorities? That's what I'm calling them, vulnerable minorities. And why we're not taking them here in Canada? Because nobody wanted to take them. No, none of the Arab Muslim countries want to take more of the Christians. So why we're not taking the vulnerable minorities, whatever the minorities is? Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter what religion they are. Look, look, look how far I'm saying. I'm not saying just Christians. I'm saying vulnerable minorities. Why we're not taking vulnerable minorities, bringing them here? Why the prime minister choose to bring the majority, if not all the Syrian refugees from one faith, the Muslim faith? Isn't this injustice? Absolutely. Well, and this is what we were so saying, that's right? what I'm saying. That's all what I'm saying. So we have to be careful how we are saying the truth. Well, but this, this is, is the truth. Yeah. And you had said that right. you know political correctness is one of the greatest enemies in Canada, um, and and when I talk about the Islamists, I'm talking not about the moderate Muslim. I'm talking about the is political Islamists that are coming into Canada and trying to change us from within. And there's a document called the Explanatory Memorandum, 
and it's from the Muslim Brotherhood, and their plan for world dominance is to enter into Western nations and, as they say, destroy their miserable house, enter their miserable house from within and get into government so that they can start bringing their traditions and their laws. And they've already made good headway. We, we have um, Sharia banking in Canada. We have Sharia markets in Canada. This is no good. Um, it's not sane, but the key is, they say that multiculturalism is a failure worldwide if the host country's values aren't being embraced. And if we're going to continue to be a beacon of hope for those who are suffering persecution, then we need to protect. We have a right to protect our sovereignty as much as they have a right to protect their sovereignty and their system of faith and belief as well. And that's where political correctness wants to shut up, shut us up, shame us and say, oh my goodness, don't say that out loud, Tanya. But meanwhile, we're being infiltrated and uh, the most vulnerable in the world are not receiving, who are like-minded and would integrate and be willing to assimilate with uh, the rest of Canadians. And I think this is something we need to have more conversation about. Let's have uh, one more question, Terenzio. Uh, I, just, I just I want to make a remark that I will have to leave in three minutes, my apology. Yeah. But uh, please, okay. I, we can take one final question, yes. One more question. Terenzio? All right. Okay. All right. Next, we have uh, Nathan. Nathan, are you with us? Oh, uh, Majid, so nice to see you. Um, have you been in contact with uh, any Muslim or organizations in Canada? And if so, what is their sense of living uh, with Canadian laws? Did, did I have been what with Muslim organizations, sir? Yeah, with, with uh, Muslim uh, or Islamic organizations? Have you been in contact with them at all? And if so, what is their sense of um, living in Canada with Canadian laws? Well, I've been, I've, we've been, uh, there is many of the minorities like the Ahmadiyas and the Baha'is and so on and so forth. And even there is women groups. Uh, and it's very interesting that the old persecuted, there is no woman rights in, in, uh, in, uh, in, in the Muslim Arab countries, or any Muslim countries, to be, to, to, be, to be clear about that. So I am in touch with some of them, the ones that willing speak the real truth and stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder to us. And I can tell you, they are even then, as a Muslim groups, frustrated from the Canadian government. <laughs> Imagine that. So even the Muslim groups, like the, the ones that are fighting for women rights, does not understand why nobody talking to the prime minister, or the prime minister not talking about women rights in the Muslim countries. So that's just an example from their own community, uh, unhappy about what the prime minister is saying. Anyway, I thank all right. you all for having me. Uh, it's been privilege and honor. Uh, once again, uh, I love you all, and, and Tanya, and thank you so much for having me, and God bless you all. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. God bless. Thank you, Majed. I'm looking forward to working together with you, and we will be keeping people updated as we proceed with strategy, and uh, I believe that we're going to be able to overturn this together. So thank Amen. you, God, God bless, bless you, you. and thank we'll you talk guys. soon. Thank you. God bless. Well, wow, that was an amazing testimony. Um, and I just truly believe that it is such an incredible opportunity that I met Majed many years ago fighting on behalf of the Ogunkoya family 
uh, Morafat was the uh, single mother that came to Canada fleeing Nigeria for asylum with her three children. And uh, through that process, I happened to meet Majed, never ever considering years ago that we would be in this place in Canada where we would be addressing uh, the persecution of Christians. And, and so it's going to be an incredible partnership. We are going to work very hard on this important matter. I believe it is one of the most important things that we can be in addressing in Canada right now because of the far reaching effects it has that if the government is successful in crushing Christianity in Canada, they therefore then will be successful in crushing the rule of law that was formed through the biblical principles. And we cannot let that happen. And we are going to be fighting very hard against that. So just as an update, I want to let you know that next week, Wednesday, David Lindsay is going to be coming on as our special guest on the Empower Hour. And many of you know David Lindsay because he is the one that we've been working together diligently with addressing after the notices of liability for those you know where uh, they were not having the success we are moving towards laying private information which is criminal charges and so we went through workshops in the fall and we are proceeding with that we've been strategizing i'm not going to give too much away because i i know that the government's listening to everything that we're doing but in the near future in a month or two we're going to be able to give you hopefully some exciting news and some updates. But something else that David ends up um, having a great amount of knowledge on is the history of Canada and certain things that we were founded on. And one is the coronation oath, which was a document, an oath taken by the queen in 1953, where she swore that covering uh, that Canada and um, other nations, it, it, they're all named in the coronation oath, but Canada is what's most important to us right now where it would be governed by biblical principles and that she swore an oath to uphold that Canada would be governed by Christian principles. And because that is a living, breathing, active document, it stands today. And that means that anything, any legislation, any bills that the government is passing, if they are in violation of that oath, which we know they are, and they're already in violation of the constitution and charter, that means that one day we can have these rescinded and overturned. And so within the coronation oath, David will be advising you of what your land rights are. There's this huge threat right now by the globalists where they're going to say they can take away your land. No, they can't. And we will not come into an agreement with that. And as I've said for the last two years, even if Trudeau had invoked the Emergency Measures Act, the federal one, which he never did in response to COVID, even if he had, it clearly says that they cannot infringe upon, they cannot uh, infringe on our charter rights, our Bill of Rights, or any rights. We had the right in the last two years, and we still do, to live our life 100% freely, to be working and providing for our families. But through the coronation oath, David has been putting a presentation together, and we're going to talk a bit about that because we're going to have another workshop, but I just want him to present and give you a little bit of information. So you're going to want to sign up for that workshop. And the week after, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to have Pastor Artur on. I met with him on Thursday. My heart, my heart was so full to hear what he has endured in 51 days in solitary confinement. And are you aware 
that putting anybody in solitary confinement, I believe it's past five days and then they need a review in 15 days, et cetera, which he was never given, it is considered torture. But there's more to this man's story. I haven't been able to hear, uh, he, I know that he has spoken with Rebel News and Laura Lynn, I haven't had a chance, but I've heard from him firsthand. And uh, there are other pastors, Pastor Stevens, Pastor Phil in New Brunswick, a lot of you don't know about. We wanna make sure that all pastors are represented. We wanna make sure that all, uh, not only Christians, all Canadians who have had to endure uh, uh, egregious violations against their human rights in the past two years, I wanna represent them. We are gonna represent them together and we are going to come hard and fast at this. We are very serious about this. I'm not gonna share the strategies that I've discussed with Majed, but I'm very excited about moving forward with this. Some of you at the beginning, I noticed in the chat, uh, you had some questions regarding the notices of liability that you'd served them and on the testing and it didn't work. I hope you're aware that on Tuesdays, I have another program and I meet with uh, business owners, parents, employees, everybody possible can show up to this. And this week I am going to review again the notices of liability and the other actions that we have available for you. So please make sure you sign up for that. You can go to the Workers Unite page under join on Action for Canada, drop down to the Workers Unite page and you will be able to register the link available on that page. So I would encourage you to do that so we can help uh, to facilitate you. And, and um, I'm hoping as well that you heard in Richmond, BC, the actual unions were fighting on behalf of the Richmond city workers because they were, uh, I think it was 36 or 38 of them there was no way they were going to take this jab so they went on they were forced onto unpaid leave which is illegal and they're ending up getting retroactive pay as well as their vacation pay is being returned to them so there is good things that are happening and we want you to be in the best possible position so that you as well will receive retroactive pay and get your holiday pay back and um, that we're going to continue to apply as much pressure pressure as possible so I think that's my updates. I hope that you got a lot out of this show. It will be posted in the next couple of days on the Empower Hour page. Please make sure that you share it. We want, uh, we got 38 million people in this country. We need you reaching out to more and having them join Action for Canada and receiving this information. Please as well, ask people to donate to this action. Uh, like I said, the legal action with Rocco is moving forward. This action is taking it from a different angle. Uh, we're providing the notices of liability. We're laying private information, which isn't costing people individual, uh, but you have to be in the right uh, mindset as well to be able to take that on. So we're coming at it from all angles. We're excited about this. I believe 100% we're gonna win this war. And I believe that Justin Trudeau and all of these premiers and all of these health officers, they're going to jail, all right? And the key is, as Reverend Majed has said, and so many others, is keep praying because God hears us. All right. Thank you, everyone. God bless you. And as always, God bless Canada.
destination. We are going to be in every town and every city, and we are going to build communities within these communities of like-minded people who are actually going to care for one another again and love on each other and give each other the help when they're down. We are going to use the, the uh, teams and the people that build within chapters to support our businesses. The government's actions are completely 100% unlawful. Judgment will again be found on justice, and those with virtuous hearts will pursue it. You have a virtuous heart if you are here today pursuing freedom and righteousness. And then verse 23 comes along with a promise. God says he will turn the sins of evil people back on them. He will destroy them for their sins. I take great comfort in that because I serve a mighty living God who has allowed us to go through this season of discomfort because we as a nation had turned our backs on him and we need to get right. So I am just gonna thank you so much. I'm going to say God bless you and God bless Canada.